and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of the leading branding firm Siegel & Gale. From April to August 2020, I interviewed 50 CMOs from around the world as host of the Siegel & Gale Future of Branding event series. Although it pains me not to break bread in person, we've uncovered invaluable insights and memorable human stories during this virtual season. In many ways, this podcast provides an exclusive oral history of how brands and CMOs live in the COVID-19 era. From the decisions facing CMOs during this time to the commitments they are forging for the uncharted road ahead, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections on our discussion. This is how CMOs commit. Hello, and you're all very welcome to the Siegel and Gale Future of Branding Virtual Roundtable a series modeled on our CMO roundtables. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global CMO of Siegel & Gale. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent global brand strategy, design and experience firm. Every fortnight, we meet five CMOs and explore how they are leading their brands in the COVID era and beyond. As we've heard across these CMO panels for the past number of months, our minds, our hearts and our energy is continually shifting from health concerns surrounding COVID to economic worries to racial injustice. We've also witnessed the power and impact of businesses and brands in terms of response to COVID, in terms of Black Lives Matter and so many other societal issues. Today, many of us are optimistic that meaningful change can happen and the source and indeed, the motivation for a lot of that optimism is our children, our children as people, our children as future employees, and our children as consumers. So today, I have invited five marketing leaders as ever to join the roundtable. But today, they are listening primarily here in listen mode to listen to their children, Gen Z, as future consumers. I'm going to introduce each of the marketing leaders, ask you to wave, you're going to be in silent mode throughout, and then we will meet the panel proper. But before I introduce the panel, I'm also aware that we have hundreds of marketing leaders from around the world on this call today. I will introduce the panelist. I'm joined by Alicia Tillman, CMO of SAP, Big wave, Alicia. Jamie Moldovsky, CMO of Wells Fargo, joining from San Francisco. Angela Pai, uh, CMO of Papa and Barclay. Madur Agrawal, SVP of Pearson. And all the way from London, Arlene Amitergalia, Head of Communications and Employee Engagement at Diageo. Welcome, parents. So today, once again, we're going to do something different. I'm going to pass the mic to a Gen Z colleague to lead this panel. So good morning, Emmett. How are you? Hi, I'm Emmett O'Sullivan. I'm in seventh grade and I'm, I like to play basketball with my friends and I'll be introducing the panel. Okay, so, Emmett, the mic is yours. First, we have Lucy. Tell us what grade you're in and where you're calling in from. Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm going into 10th grade and I'm calling in from Los Angeles. And Lucy, what do you like to do for fun? That's a good question. I like to shop a lot. <laughs> I like to listen to music, write my own music, play music. All right. Thank you, Lucy. Moving on to Lauren. Tell us what, where you live, what grade you're in, and what you like to do for fun. I'm going into ninth grade. Uh, I'm calling in from London. And I like to read and write for fun. I watch TV. I, yeah. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Moving on to Sue Voss, tell us where you're calling in from, what grade you're in, and what you like to do for fun. 
Hi, uh, my name is Suvas. I am uh, going to go into eighth grade this fall. I'm calling in from Princeton, New Jersey. And whenever I do something fun, I watch television, I play basketball outside, or I play a video game. Thank you, Suvas. Next, Riley. Same question for you. Hi, my name is Riley Tillman, and I'm going into sixth grade, and I like to dance and run my tie-dye business. And finally, Katie. My name is Katie. I'm going into fourth grade, and I like to kickbox and listen to music. All right. So first for the questions, we have Lucy. So my school is just finished for the year. How was homeschool during lockdown? I actually enjoyed it a lot because my school was very sympathetic and really altered curriculum to best fit the students. They actually reset all grades to what they were the day before we got out of school permanently and made it so grades couldn't actually drop and only would go up or stay the same. Because that, I found I was able to put in a lot more effort into my work. I was turning in any missing work that I was able to do. That way it was more easy to raise my grades and end the year on a higher note. And what did you miss most from real school? I definitely missed the social interaction. I miss sitting with my friends during our free periods or during my lunchtime, but we found a way to alter that. And we actually set up our own Zoom meeting during our lunch period so we could still technically eat with each other, though we weren't next to each other. Okay, moving on. Imagine you have to spend $100 to spend on anything you want. If you don't spend it in the next 24 hours, it all vanishes. What would you spend it on? I really love to go to thrift stores. That way I'm able to buy more clothes for less money and also support charities and use that money for a good cause. So if I had $100, I'd probably go to Goodwill, which is my local thrift store, and I guess get the biggest bang for my buck. All right. So what societal issues are you close to? I find that I'm very active in the majority of the societal issues that are very present globally or nationally right now. I've attended loads of demonstrations and protests in the past couple of years, such as the Women's March, the climate strike, gun control rallies. Yeah, I recently went to a Black Lives Matter protest this weekend, and it was walking in Los Angeles from Hollywood to West Hollywood. I'm really active because I feel like I want to raise my voice and advocate for those issues, though I'm not necessarily experiencing them. I want like to spread awareness. Do you think it's important for brands to support these causes? And how does this translate into your everyday purchasing behavior? Yeah, I definitely think it's important to see brands supporting these causes. That way, you know that they're not only supporting these causes, but they're for these causes. I know a lot of companies that are donating their some of their profits to these these issues and seeing that really makes you want to support them even more because you're seeing that they stand with you. Do you think you can name a company that is really doing this well? Yeah. So one of my favorite recording artists, her name is Haley Williams. She also has a hair dye company and she lives in Nashville, Tennessee, where some of the rallies are the most um, aggressive and violent that they've been across the country. And she's actually donating almost 100% of their proceeds right now to the Black Lives Matter organization. And how do you find out about how a brand supports these causes? Well, I support a lot of these companies by following them on Instagram, looking at their websites a lot. And these websites that really, truly are for these issues will make it very clear that they support them, whether that's by putting it on their story, like making a highlight for it on Instagram, or when you go on their website, the first thing you see is them advertising that they stand with like Black Lives Matter or whatever the issue is. All right, thank you. Imagine you're head of marketing and launching for a technology product competing against Apple. What marketing tactics would you use to make the product appealing to kids? I think I definitely implement more ability to customize. Me personally, whether it's shoes or clothing, I love the able to take a product and make it my own. And there is like with an Apple phone, there's a sense of being able to customize whether that's the wallpapers, but you know, being able to have patterns that are the outside of your phone rather than just a solid color or 
being able to really show that this is different from someone else's product and I've kind of tailored it to make it mine and no one else has it like I do. Is there a brand or industry that in your opinion is evil and why? I think fast fashion, that entire industry is evil in general. There's this company called Sheen, which is one of the biggest participants in fast fashion. They not only have, they don't have original designs, they steal their clothing and inspiration from other stores. They also have been known and have a couple of cases of actually hacking their buyers, taking their information and getting into their social medias, which I don't support. So do you think in the future, fast fashion will still be successful? I don't think so because most of my friends and most of the youth I feel are starting to slowly participate in more examples of thrifting, whether that's Depop, which is a really growing app right now, which is like an online thrift store. There's a lot of smaller companies that make their own clothes and don't use fast fashion. I think as the younger generation becomes the older generation, fast fashion will slowly begin to fade away. And where do you learn about trends? I, during quarantine, have been very active on social media with not much else to do. I'm on TikTok a lot. I'm on Instagram. And I don't necessarily use social media to find new trends. They kind of just automatically occur and I'll identify that there's a similarity of fashion or this certain like hairstyle that a lot of people are starting to wear or starting to use. And then it sort of just expands and becomes a trend, I guess. All right. And who inspires you most when you're making purchasing decisions? I think definitely social media. I really like that Instagram has posts on your explore page that they kind of identify what your interests are and they tailor what you see and what you discover to your interests. So me personally, I have loads of fashion posts. I will mainly go on my Instagram explore page to see like new outfit ideas. I get loads of fashion sites or vintage stores that post photos of their clothes or entire like outfit ensembles that kind of inspire me to either go to a thrift store and buy clothes like that or look what's in my own closet and kind of mix it up but still keeping that same original idea to like make it my own. So in these Instagram ads we know that they use your data to target you. Do you think that's an effective marketing strategy? Definitely not. I don't like that just to buy something they have to take all my information, which could be personal. It's not necessary. I don't think so. All right. What is the best way for a brand to make itself popular to young consumers? Well, I know that loads of young people use social media a lot. With Instagram and TikTok, they, when they advertise, it, you're going to see it if it's an ad that you're that they think you'll be interested in because, you know, you're scrolling through something. There's not a way you can really avoid it. And finally, you were early ta- earlier talking about thrifting. How did you get into that? Question, I really don't know. Before, I would almost feel kind of uncomfortable in a thrift store thinking that, you know, these clothes belong to someone else. That's kind of weird. You shouldn't, it's like dirty, I guess. And I think it was definitely my best friend who brought me to a thrift store one time and really showed me the opportunities, the goodwill that's close to my house is huge and has like just racks upon racks of clothes of so many different colors. And I really saw that it's actually amazing to be able to recycle your clothes and for people who are, I guess, fortunate enough to have so many clothes to be able to donate to people who are maybe less fortunate or to people who are just interested in buying new clothes without necessarily supporting fast fashion or a cause that they don't want to support. All right. Thank you, Lucy. Thank now you. we're moving on to Lauren. So Lauren, you live in London. I'm curious about how that influences, influences your perspective on brands versus kids like us in the U.S. Well, I think when I lived in the U.S., because I did live in the U.S., I was more exposed to brands, especially on TV and things like that. And here I'm a little less exposed, although because I'm older, I am more brand conscious. So it might feel the same sometimes, but I think I was exposed to more brands in the U.S. All right. And what is the best way for a brand to impress young kids? 
I think anything really colorful kind of jumps out at you. Or if you kind of get other kids to do it or influencers that kids really love, then it kind of makes an impression on them. Yeah. How do you think that's similar or different for kids in the U.S.? Mm, I honestly think it's the same. Yeah, I do. All right. Okay, so the same question I asked Lucy. Suppose you have $100, or since you live in London, 100 pounds, to spend in the next 24 hours. If you don't spend it, it'll all go away. What would you spend it on? I think I would spend it on books and fast food. What kind of fast food? Burgers, fries, chicken nuggets, chicken tenders. Yes. What's a popular place to get that in London? There's Sam's Chicken. You can just go to a Burger King or McDonald's. All right. How important is it for brands or companies to support causes? And how does this factor into your shopping? I think it is important. And I'm less inclined to support a brand if it doesn't align with some of my views. And it doesn't influence my everyday like shopping and purchasing things hugely. But I do support brands more if I see that they support something that I support. And how would you know if they, what they support? Through word of mouth or through social media. So say your friend told you something about a brand supporting a cause that is not like a good cause, you would probably stop going there. Yes, to some extent, at least. Okay. So imagine you were a head of marketing for a company launching a new sneaker. What marketing tactics would you make it to make it popular and compete against other brands like Nike and Adidas and more? Well, like Lucy, I think that customizing things is a really good way to market. Like it makes you feel like you have your own thing and that it's not just, it's not just like everyone else's, but it's yours. And I think using a lot of colors because when you give people the ability to be creative, I think it really interests them. What's the most recent product you've bought or your parents have bought for you? When we did the shopping, a couple of days ago or what's a product that you've like you've recently gotten that you really enjoyed i got airpods not too long ago and i use them pretty much every day yeah so where do you go to learn about trends uh social media like any particular apps uh tiktok instagram all right and how did you find out about tiktok and instagram your friends i guess yes yeah who inspires you in making purchasing decisions? Usually my friends or through TV. What are you watching online these days, like a TV show or any particular movies that you really enjoyed? Mm, I started watching Modern Family recently. I like that a lot. Where do you mostly buy? And what do you think is a more effective marketing strategy when starting up a company to have an online store or more like in-person shopping? I personally prefer online shopping. And I shop at, I don't go shopping often, actually, but Primark, H&M. What's the reason you like online shopping more? I think that I actually prefer in-person shopping, actually. And I like that because you get to, like, put on the clothes and, like, wear them and try them out. Yeah. Okay. So say you're on your phone. What kind of ad would grab your attention the most? Mm. Something that's colorful, a lot of sparkles, something that if I see someone that I can relate to, like someone my age, then yeah, it would jump out at me more. Do you think there's any companies that really do ads well that stick with you? I like Nike's ads. Nike's ads? Okay. So a similar question I asked to Lucy, do you care about a company, company using your data for marketing purposes? I do, actually, and it makes me somewhat uncomfortable. Yeah. So do you ever have those moments when you're like thinking about something or talking about something and then you go on your phone and you see it right there? Yes, that creeps me out a lot. Yeah. All right, thank you, Lauren. So now we're gonna move on to Suvas. All right, so most stores here in New York City are closed. Were there any brands or products you could not live without during this lockdown? If this lockdown continued, I'll definitely need uh, Nike or Adidas because I need to get shoes from somewhere. Also, I need the NFL. There's no sports going on right now. And I kind of get bored sometimes. And usually I just watch football. Now I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And 
not really big into shopping, so kind of glad there's no shopping because then my parents don't have to drag me to the store. So do you um, prefer online shopping? Uh, yes. Well, actually, it depends on certain products that I already know how they'll fit, how they work. Then yes, I prefer online shopping. It's just a lot easier. However, if it's a product that I need to try out or such as shoes, clothes, then I would any day prefer to go to the store. But then I need to combine it with other trips so that I actually get work so that actually is worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you the same hundred dollar question. Imagine you have hundred dollars to spend and you only have twenty four hours to spend it. Or if you don't, it'll go away. What would you spend it on? Well, before the lockdown I would usually spend it on um go karting tickets and a new video game for my Xbox. But right now I can't go go karting. So I'd probably spend it on an Xbox Live uh, subscription for a year so I could play with my friends and also one game. And like, what would that game be? What kind of games are you interested in? Well, I do like NBA 2K. Uh, so I like basketball, football, soccer. So like sports games and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what if this $100 was $1,000? How would that change? If it was $1,000, then I would probably look into more of a technology area because then technology is more expensive and $1,000 would be able to cover a high-power iPad, let's say. So maybe I would spend most of my money on that and then maybe buy... Like, I'd splurge with $1,000 because I just have that money to splurge. So I might buy like a really expensive iPad along with maybe some really high quality headphones. Okay. Are you close to any societal issues? Uh, yes, I actually am close to environmental health and I am making sure that, that we recycle the right products and uh, we make sure that we don't waste unnecessary materials. Could you name any brands or and or and or a brand that does not do this well? Oh, yes. Not necessarily a brand, but I know that before the Super Bowl, for both the teams competing, jerseys are made for both of them. And once the winner's determined, they throw out the losing team's jersey. And that's thousands of jerseys being thrown out, going to a landfill. That can, Chemicals in those can be very harmful for animals and uh, for the environment also. So what do you think they should do instead? Well... I still understand that in order to uh, sell it as quickly as possible, they have to be made before the Super Bowl. So I would sell the other team's jersey just for a lower price so that you're not wasting it and you're still able to sell the products early like the goal is. All right. So imagine you were head of marketing and launching for a video game. What marketing tactics would you use to make kids like us want it? Well, whenever I think of a video game, even if NBA Live had more features than NBA 2K, it's just that it's more popular to go with NBA 2K because more people have that. So I would most likely create a game that has a lot of accuracy in terms of graphics, um, immediately has to, get a good, has to get a good reputation for being good. So I would advertise its uh, features and that the other games don't have and what's missing from the other games that this game is able to fill. So say there's two different games. One, in your opinion, was a more fun game to play, but the other game, all your friends played it. You would continue with the other game? Uh, it depends on how much more fun. Would it be that if it was harder to play the other one and I was constantly getting annoyed, then I would get the more fun game. However, if it's such a small difference that um, I notice it, but it doesn't make much of an impact, then I'll go for the one uh, with, uh, that my friends play. All right. Do you think companies make mistakes when marketing to kids? What does not work in your opinion? I feel like overloading somebody with advertisement all at one time. Like You'll see like one week, they'll get a lot of advertisement for a certain company. And then the next week, you basically won't get any. So you're kind of getting annoyed at that company. And you might even start blocking that ad if possible. So that's 
what they do wrong. I believe in spreading it out so that you see it, but it's not like you're having to see it three times a day. Instead, you're seeing it one time a day. So if you were to see a product like every three days, slowly in your Instagram feed for a while, you'd be more inclined to get it or buy it? Yes. Okay. Yes. So say you're walking down the street with your family. You are all hungry and it's lunchtime. Where would you want to go eat and why? I would not want to spend too much money, so I wouldn't go to a fancy sit-down place, but I wouldn't go cheap to, like, McDonald's or Burger King. I want to be conscious of my health. It's very unhealthy there. So I'll probably eat a restaurant that's not a chain, but it's not, like, a diner or a very expensive sit-down restaurant. I would look at the place near me, and then I'd probably search it up on Yelp to see its reviews. And then uh, if it turns out good, I would eat there. If Yelp reviews are bad, then I'll probably look for another place. Um, that also, let's say I feel like having Italian food, then I'll look for Italian restaurants. If I feel like having Mexican food, I'll eat at a Mexican restaurant. If I, feel like, if I feel like having Indian food, I'll eat at an Indian restaurant. So what would your process be of finding these particular restaurants? Uh, first, I would look for... Let's say I want to have Italian food. I would look for an Italian restaurant that is sort of unique to this area and not like a chain. Or if I were to take Mexican, for an example, I'd prefer not to eat at Chipotle versus a unique restaurant to the area. Then I would also make sure it's not too expensive. And then I would also look at its reviews and make sure it has high quality food and good service. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Suvas. Now we're going to move on to Riley. So I haven't been to a store for months, but I've definitely been looking on Amazon. Have you bought any product for yourself or have your parents bought anything for you recently? My parents and me have uh, run a tie-dye business and I've started a couple of weeks ago. So I've definitely found myself buying a lot of products for the tie-dye business that I can tie-dye. Okay. What got you into that? Um, me and my friend were like bored because we go to summer camp, but it was canceled this year. So we decided to make this business to have like, instead of sitting on and looking at social media all summer, we decided that we would start a business to keep us active. Okay. And do you like sell these shirts or whatever you're making? Yeah, we sell them to our family and close friends. Nice. Okay. So in general, when you are buying something new, let's say clothes, what is most important to you? when choosing a brand? I think the most important thing is if the clothing has good quality, because if it's not going to have good quality, you're not going to want to wear it. Yeah, so you would pay a little bit extra to get a higher quality shirt than paying less to get a, a shirt that might not last you as long? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the same question I've asked previously. Imagine you have $100 to spend in the next 24 hours. If you don't spend it, it'll go away. What would you spend it on? I would spend it on, like, new workout clothes and, like, loungewear because like during this time you have nothing to do instead of just like so you can get loungewear to sit around and just be comfortable which brands of clothes um i like nike all right imagine you are on a long car trip with your family and your mom says you can stop to eat you don't have a lot of time what fast food restaurant would you stop to get food in why i would go to pliables because it's a healthy option and it's very fast, but they do put a lot of care and effort into their work. Okay. For the things that you are interested in, where do you go to find out about what's new? I go to social media and look at what my friends are wearing and my favorite celebrities. What kind of social media apps? Um, TikTok and Instagram. Okay. When you're shopping, does it matter to you how a company behaves towards the environment or other issues? I think it's very important because if they're not, if they're not like supporting something, like if they're trying to raise money, but they're not raising it for a good cause, then they shouldn't raise money because it's not going to a good cause. And how would you find out about if the company is supporting a good cause or not? I would probably, a lot of the things are on social media. So I'd probably look on social media if like an advertisement says like Nike is, you can donate to Nike for a good cause. So could you like try to name any companies that are doing well and supporting good causes? Um, I would say MBA because when I, like a couple years ago, I went 
for the NBA All-Star game. And I got an experience to go to this, like, event. And it was a community event where I went to a school and a lot of people, like, helped, like, build a playground for the school that didn't have a playground. Wow. And any any of the opposite, some brands that you think are not supporting good causes? I don't think any brands that I know of are not supporting good causes because I think they're all doing, like, very good during this time. All right. So say so you walk down the street or, or you're at home. What kind of ad grabs your attention? I think an ad that uses photos of kids or celebrities kids like. And I also think a lot of colors. What's a company's ad that sticks with you to today? Probably Athleta because they have mostly kids wear and there's a lot of kids modeling the clothes. So if you can see an ad that you can relate to, it, it makes you want to buy it more? Yes. So what are you watching online or on TV these days? I started watching a lot of shows on Netflix. Do you think you can name any of them? I watch, like, I started watching Fuller House a lot. Okay. And I also play a lot of video games like Fortnite. And what got you into that? Um, all my friends played it and they, like, told me, they, they teached me and then now I know how to play with them. What makes it fun compared to other video games? It makes it fun because you could play with your friends, and I like like battling against people to try to win. So like the competitive nature? Yeah. Where do you mostly buy, in stores or online, or both? I buy basically both, so I do a lot of on- in- online shopping and in-store shopping, but I'm like buying online right now. So for the rest of your life, if you, you have to pick one, either only buy online or only in real life shopping, what would you pick? I would pick in real life shopping because I like to interact with the workers and I like to hear what they have to say about the products. Okay. I think that's pretty much uh, it for Riley. Now we're going to move on to Katie. So during quarantine in California, what ended up being the main brands or products or services you could not live without? One of the main things is Apple. It's my day personally and especially my computer for school and work yeah apple okay it's the hundred dollar question again what would you spend it on um i know it sounds basic but i would probably um put it towards the black lives matter movement or either i don't know spend it on like clothing or something like that and what if it was a thousand dollars i think i'd buy myself a nintendo switch um or again like donate it right is there any brand or company that, in your opinion, is evil, and why? I wouldn't say evil. The only one that comes to mind right now is, like, Chick-fil-A, because I know they support anti-LGBTQ plus um, organizations, and I'm just not really for that, so I wouldn't necessarily go there. Yeah. So, because of that, would you fully stop going to Chick-fil-A? Yeah. I feel really strongly about that, um, and so I would not my money towards their organization and how how did you find out about their beliefs all over uh instagram or social media it's a, like that's one of the most like things i've heard about chick-fil-a conversely what brand or company do you think is doing good in the world and why right now i think ben and jerry's is doing a lot for the black lives matter movement and i really appreciate that and i think their marketing is doing really good right now what are some of the things that they're doing Um, They put out an ice cream flavor. I forgot what it was called. Um, And then the founders have been protesting and like, I think they got arrested. So I think that's pretty cool. So there are many tech companies in California. What if you're CMO of one of them with technology products for kids? What would be your top marketing tactic? Um, I think using celebrities and just like what the other analysts said is that customization is a huge thing and it i think it makes it really personal but definitely like using celebrities is important too what mistakes or wrong assumptions do you think brands make when targeting kids no that's a good question yeah i don't know how to answer that sorry maybe like any ads that wouldn't work for a kid like if you saw an ad it just wouldn't if you could name something name an ad or name something in an ad that's not effective I guess, like, having it not be, like, relatable or not humorous, I feel like funny ads really, like, kind of grab you and, like, I don't know, make you, like, laugh at the same time and just 
if it's not, then it's kind of like, what's the point? So what's the most effective ad like on TV, on your, like on Instagram, a billboard sign? What do you think? I don't really know of any in particular. I think Nike, like as the other panelists said, are like really good at getting across ads or Adidas, like a lot of the sports ones. I feel like because they keep in touch with like the morals of people and they are really like politically active. Okay. What are you watching online these days? Any recommendations? I've been on Netflix a lot. So I've binge watched a lot of TV, like Outer Banks, Gilmore Girls, um, Avatar, just a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any brand that you think is up and coming in the next few years? I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot of things going in and out right now. And certain like clothing stores are kind of like either going down or um, going up. I think American Eagle is going up and then Urban Outfitters is kind of on the down. So, yeah. What do you think will be a common theme in brands that are going to succeed in the future? I think definitely being politically active more really helps with um, connecting to the younger generations. Because I've heard so many things that my friends have said, like, oh, I'm not following this brand anymore or I don't like this brand anymore because they're not um, being politically involved. I think that's a really important thing. And how would you find out about them being politically involved? I think I like it's mainly through social media or my friends, like they find it out social media. Um, yeah. What about a brand that you think is overrated? I don't really know. I guess like Urban Brandy Melville, Urban Outfitters, like in clothing store terms. Yeah. I think we ran out of time, but thank you to Lucy, Katie, Riley, Sue Voss, and Lauren for giving us great insights. Now I will pass the microphone to our host. Thank you, Emmett, and thank you, panelists. How interesting was that? My goodness, thank you so very much for your honesty and sharing with us. I'm now going to get some reaction from the CMOs in the room. Starting with you, Alicia, don't have a lot of time left, but very briefly, what were your top takeaways from listening to the Gen Z panel? Well, um, social media rules. <laughs> so I think for us as marketers, when we think about advertising um, in the future, it's all about social media. So that's number one. You know, a lot of focus on a lot of the similar brands, Nike in particular. You know, look, I think kids like to, to wear their workout clothes and their gym clothes. And, you know, Nike has put a lot of style in, the, in that, you know, style of clothing. And, you know, they've done a fantastic job appealing to kids. And they're a very purpose-driven organization. So I think these kids have been super impressive with really recognizing purpose and causes when it comes to selecting brands. So that was the, the second thing. And then I think the third and final thing I realized is, when you think about how you sell the kids, you know, they like color. They like pictures of kids themselves. They, they want to learn about products that are of interest to them. So it's about relevancy. It's about telling a story that is going to really resonate with them and do it in a colorful way. And, you know, use pictures of, of kids that are familiar to them. You know, and I think that that's something that we all strive to practice. So I think those are the my three biggest takeaways, Margaret. Great kids. Just so impressive. <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. Katie, I know we missed you a little bit in the last one. I want to give you a chance to get in again, if we can hear your audio. Katie, Emmett asked you about, in general, how brands can impress kids. What would you say? I think, yeah, by being like really politically active and I think using celebrities is really like useful. Like I've paid more attention to ads that like when I see someone I know or that when I see someone like that I've seen over social media, I think that's really important and I think it works a lot. So I'm going to channel Emmett, Katie, and ask you a follow-up question. What celebrities? I don't know, just like in in like TV shows that kids watch or... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Familiar faces, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for that, Katie. Jamie, what were your top takeaways? Anything in addition to what Alicia shared? Yeah, thank you. And thanks to all of the kids. That was it was awesome to hear all of your um, answers to those questions. I think absolutely around customization, this idea that allowing kids to be able to customize their experience, customize their products. 
uh, and not being overly sort of assumptive about what they want or need, but giving people that option to control their own experience, I thought was really interesting. Definitely the celebrity piece Katie just mentioned, but I think the kind of who do you trust, the role of influencers, the role of celebrities, and how that has changed. And then the last one is really that political cause, um, something that really is emotionally connective for the brand beyond the kind of attributes of the products themselves. So those would probably be my top three. Madur, anything else, anything different strike you? Yeah, so first of all, kudos to Ahmed and everyone for being so refreshing and authentic. This is, correct, we talk about authenticity all the time, but this is, this is what it looks like. But in terms of, of, of the points, there were two or three other points that I, I noted. First of all, retail is not dead, right? Despite everything, retail is, is still live and, live and kicking. The second thing is they care about data and privacy. You know, we tend to say, hey, kids don't care about, Gen Z doesn't care about data and privacy. Well, all of them said, no, we care about, we care about it. They may not have the tools to make those trade-offs, but they absolutely uh, care about it. And, and finally, you know, Insta and TikTok, right? So within social, it seems like those are the two places uh, for all of us uh, business professionals to be, be thinking about, uh, per se. So those are the uh, two or three points from us. So Arlene, from your perch in London, anything unexpected here from these children? Hi, Margaret. And first of all, fantastic job to all the panelists. And Emma, you were brilliant. I see a clear future for you in hosting. Thank you. Um, I think everything that, you know, the other CMOs have said rings true. For me, I also picked up a couple of things. They care about quality. And sometimes you think kids are not going to care. You know, it can be cheap, but from what they're going to consume eating to what they're going to wear to what they're going to watch they appreciate good quality and that that was a standout for me the other thing was i picked up all these notes of health consciousness which was really interesting even at a young age and um and finally i was struck by that same point that retail as you said Madur, is not dead so they want the marketing to reach them via social media that's where gonna they're gonna pick it up but then they do want that in-store experience the touch and feel so really really interesting insights thanks arlene so angela we've covered a lot anything else we have same threads in terms of personalization customization and relevance and you know beyond cause marketing it's really about the purpose of a brand that's intrinsically tied into the dna of who they are what they are and what they represent and one of the things that madur had touched on is um i think as marketers we need to balance that tightrope of creating relevant content and and making that content available and reaching these Gen Zs, but at the same time, really respecting the privacy of their um, individual information. So how do you create relevant content and make it available in a way that is going to be effective, but at the same time, not cross the line where it gets into anything near uh, privacy issues. So as a marketer, I would say that's kind of where that tension is. Fascinating rope to ride, right? So now, starting with yourself, Angela, I'm going to go around and ask you, what is the commitment you're making or you will make in your roles to be sure that you engage this Gen Z population of future consumers? Angela. Well, as a marketer, it's really important to look at the core of what a brand's promise is. You know, us marketers have come from this trajectory of, a product promise or a functional purpose but beyond that what is the what is at the heart of what you really represent and have that really ring true because that's how we're all going to be judged creating meaningful messaging that is authentic what would you say arlene from your perspective in terms of your commitment to engaging this generation i think it's about amplifying purpose what I've heard in this conversation is they're far more aware, far more socially conscious than I ever imagined. And they want to see themselves represented and to know that they're what they find important. The causes that matter to them also matter to brands. 
And I think that's that's the biggest message. It, it has to be purpose first and it has to be authentic because already they're picking up the notes of, of brands that are inauthentic. So authenticity and purpose. That's a good segue to yourself, Mather, who highlighted authenticity. What is your commitment to engaging Gen Z? The, the biggest takeaway for me and commitment is don't assume, right? Just in the last uh, hour, my perceptions, my biases have been broken. And I don't need to do a lot of things. I just need to reach out to the community that we have as marketers, as business leaders, and just talk to humans, correct? We've talked about humanizing the brand for a long time, but it's time to talk to humans. It's time to talk to these people and understand what they stand for, because I definitely had a lot of convict, uh, or perceptions that were broken today. And that's my commitment to continue to engage. And thank you for keeping an open mind, critical to changing your assumptions. Jamie, what's your commitment to engaging this generation? Yeah, I think very similar. I think it's it's listening and learning and really having your um, your finger on the pulse how this generation, more as individuals though, are feeling and want to engage. And I think it's not about kind of slapping a label on the generation, but very much what I heard is really appreciating where each of these individuals are and taking the time and effort to know that, so to be able to engage in a meaningful way. And from your standpoint, Alicia, at a major technology company, what is your commitment to engaging this generation? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, look, I've been a marketer for 20 years, and I think that the generations that will come into the workforce 10 years from now, even a little less, as we saw with representation of some of the ages on the call today, I think this is going to fundamentally shift the channels and the messages that we need to deliver as marketers. I think over the past 20 years, we've seen an evolution, but I feel as though the workforce has evolved as we've evolved as marketers. And, you know, when I listen to the kids today and all I hear are things such as social media and purpose and video games, celebrities and influencers. These are fundamental shifts from what we as marketers still refer to today as traditional marketing. And I think, you know, some of these traditional tactics that are still a big part of our mix. I think one of the questions I walk away with is, is we think seven, eight years down the line, when these kids come into the workforce, what is the role of print advertising, billboards, large scale events, you know, even PR and press releases, does that even have a role anymore? And I just think there's a lot of fundamental questions that we have to ask, but I agree with what Jamie said um, in particular and, and uh, Mador is we gotta listen because this generation is fundamentally different and we've gotta stay in touch. I think what you've created here today is extraordinary because this is where it needs to start if we as marketers want to be building successful brands a decade from now. Thank you, Alicia. Well, as most of our listeners know, usually at this time, I share my reflections on the conversation. But in listening to the Gen Z children here and panelists and fellow panelists, in fact, I'm going to do something different. Emmett, I'm going to pass the mic to you. What are your takeaways? How would you summarize the learnings from this conversation this afternoon? So after hearing from the five panelists, here are the top lessons I took away. Primarily, marketing to my generation is quite complicated. People care about causes, price, quality, and trendiness when buying products. Product quality, in particular, is important to us. It is not easy to lure us in, and we definitely do our research. That's easy for us. So it's not enough for a brand to say they support a company or a cause. You have to show us how. When it comes to launching new products, the way you get their, your name out there is important. This is especially true for social media, which is extremely popular now and will be in the future. Additionally, I liked how everyone spent their $100. This shows me that although we're all Gen Z, we're all Gen Z we can all be different and similar at the same time. When it comes to marketing, be careful not to assume much. Instead, do more listening. You need to do your research as well. Also, I, I, I noticed the common theme of a liking in more custom things and colors and things that they relate to. And I think 
brands and companies will be more successful if they were to listen to the kids and see what they want, which is custom things and being able to use their own creativity. And just by listening, they'll instantly become more successful. So, but in conclusion, our generation, Generation Z, is a tough group to impress and satisfy. I thought it was very interesting to hear the commitments from the adults, because they know we will hold them accountable. Now, mom, I'm curious, what's your commitment to engaging Gen Z? Okay, Amit, so my commitment in listening to all of you is to work tirelessly with my colleagues at Siegel and Gale to make sure our company and our culture is welcoming, inclusive, and a desirable place to work for the talented Gen Z or Gen Z people on this call of all genders, of all races, of all sexual orientations. In fact, people of every generation. And Emmett, that's my commitment because I understand that at Siegel and Gale, we have the ability to have an outsized impact on the world through our brand consultants, our designers, and our communicators. I'm committed, as are all of our colleagues, to making sure we have more diverse voices at those tables of influence. And I know you'll ask me about it at the dinner table. So uh, hold us accountable and hold me accountable. So with that, thank you, Emmett. Thank you to our panelists, Gen Z and CMO. We're really honored to have you here. We know this was an experiment. Thank you for the trust you have invested in us, your authenticity, and we too will look forward to tracking your progress. In keeping with Siegel and Gale's commitment to hosting important conversations, as part of this forum, we want to make sure we continue to be relevant and we continue to listen. So we welcome your feedback. Please write me anytime, mmolloy at siegelgale.com or pop it into the chat. Any issues, any topics as it pertains to brand building that you would like us to cover. Finally, I would like to thank my producers, today led by Ashley Noonan and Alison Carrion. Thank you, ladies. On behalf of all of us at Siegel and Gale, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs commit.